welcome everyone to church. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to see you. Uh, all those who are visiting with us for the very first time at the very uh, end of this service, I would like to ask you to just go to the table at the very end there. Uh, are there any who are worshiping with us for the first time? Just slip up your hand. First time. All right. Thank you. Please take note of those, uh, that, that lady, that sister. Welcome. We don't take it for granted that you're with us. May the Lord bless you and we pray that uh, you'll be blessed as well. So we're continuing on with our three-part series of Life is About Responsibility. Hallelujah. And last week we did, we had this main thought that responsibility is indispensable for success. You cannot be successful and be irresponsible at the same time. Those who have done that in history have wrecked their lives. And you know a few. They were so good at a particular skill or maybe so good at something, so, so good at something, but they were living irresponsible lives. They have wrecked their lives. Some were the fastest in the Olympics, but then they were irresponsible with drugs. And their medals were taken away from them. There are stories like this abounding all over. So here's a recap of the sermon of last week. I'll not go into too much detail. If you want to listen to it, go to the podcast, www.kicmalawi.org forward slash podcasts. You'll find it there. But this is what we said. We said that responsibility is given by God. Sometimes you might even say, oh, I'll take up this responsibility. And you think you're doing it on your own. But it's God who put that in there because responsibility is the nature of who we are. We're supposed to be responsible. And we saw that God was, did not plant the garden of Eden until he prepared a manager who was Adam and his helper, Eve. We also saw that responsibility always is there to solve a need. There is a need that needs to be fulfilled. There's a problem that needs to be solved. So you need someone who will take up the responsibility and pursue it. If Isaac Watts was not responsible enough to spend all those times, I think it was like over 4,000 or something, was it 40,000 or something times, he tried to produce the light bulb. He failed over 4,000 and something times. Or was it 40? I forget the stats. But he knew there was something to this. And when he finally succeeded in creating the light bulb, they asked him, so what does it feel like to fail over 4,000 times? He says, <laughs> really nothing. It just feels like I know over 4,000 times of how not to make a light bulb. He felt so responsible enough to continue on because there was a need that needed to be solved. Without that responsibility from Isaac Watts, you and I would be burning candles even up to this day. So responsibility always, always solves a need. Are you given the responsible as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother? There's a need that needs to be filled because of that responsibility. We also saw that responsibility is specific. God is not vague about what he requires from us. He's never been vague to anybody. 
Jeremiah was told what he needed to do in his ministry. Moses was told what he needed to do in his ministry. Jesus was told what he needed to focus on in his ministry. Paul was told what he needed to focus on in his ministry. I was told what I needed to focus on in this ministry. So God is not vague. God doesn't say go and figure it out. He, he will tell you exactly what he needs done. So today we are looking at the last point. Um, responsibility requires accountability. Responsibility requires accountability. And this one is, 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 is a little painful. I, I should warn you in advance. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 1 to 19. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 19. Bible says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, God has indeed said, sorry, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you will eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Did you notice her husband with Many times we think Eve was alone with, this, with the serpent, but that was not the case. They were all together. That was just a side note. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to, you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and, all, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your con conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring out forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, 
and to dust you shall return. Now, the great thing, the thing that is clear about this passage is that responsibility without accountability is disastrous. Hallelujah. When you have a responsibility and you don't want to be accountable, disaster follows. Because accountability helps us to be in check. And throughout history, this lesson keeps coming up. Throughout history, you can pick personalities, you can pick kingdoms, you can pick governments, you can pick companies. Where there is no accountability, disaster follows. It was during the reign of Adolf Hitler when the church kept on speaking up against the atrocities of the government of that time. Adolf Hitler made his move, silenced the church, and off he was. No accountability. And we all know the end. Millions of people lost their lives in a war that didn't need to be. That's just one example. There, there, there are companies that have come and gone and they didn't want to be accountable to anyone. If anyone of you remember Enron, those were the issues. Where there is no accountability, disaster follows. When you begin to ask, okay, so we got this money, what did you do with it? I'm, I'm, I'm the head of this home. Disaster will fall. Trust me. And I shall share some things so that we are in context when it comes to accountability. These things I learned a couple of years ago and, and it just made everything come together. So I want to share with you a couple of things about responsibility in which we are going to embed in accountability. All right? It has to be taken into that context. For us to be responsible and see results, these are the things that we need to have in mind. Responsibility, number one, is given based on trust. When you're given a responsibility, it is based on trust. The one giving you the responsibility trusts you. Very important. And we can't go further before we deal with this issue. Trust is given to someone you are comfortable with. Someone you are willing to be vulnerable with. You know what vulnerability is? You get to know the pluses and minuses of this person that even the public doesn't know. That's trust. Trust says, I have decided to let you see this much in my life because I am comfortable with you. Come to think of it, you do not trust someone you are not comfortable with. You don't. Maybe something happened in the past and you think they are like this. Or maybe you, you had some, some experience somewhere with somebody else. But because this one looks like that one, you understand? I remember there was a time I called pastor and I said, pastor, we need to talk. So for three hours we met. I thought it was going to be 30 minutes. But for three hours, I said, Pastor, I need you to understand where I've been and what has happened to me and why I am where I am. So we spoke for three hours. And in the end, he was like, so who did I know all this time? Because these details, there was no way he was going to know about them had I not told him. But I had come to a point where I'd said, I need to let him know these things 
for me to move forward. It's because I was comfortable with him. Still am. People we are not comfortable with, we, we usually, we can't share a meal with. Hello? Just think about it. Those whom you eat together with are people you trust. People you're comfortable with. So, trust is that vulnerability that says, I will allow you to see this much into my life. And I trust you not to spoil it. I trust you not to stab me in the back. And the closer we get to somebody, the more we develop the intimacy. Somebody defined intimacy as into me, see. We begin to give each other responsibilities. There was a time, I can't remember where we were, but there was, there was a group of men talking. We were friends and a group of women talking on the other side. I think it was a garage party. We were having a garage party. They were having a, a, a what do you call it? Gamasumo for, for the women. They said Gamasumo, but anyway. So she came and she said, I need some money or something like that. I took my wallet and I gave it to her. And she took the money she needed and she went. And this brother said, you just gave her your wallet. I said, yes. He says, hey, I'm with my But you see, it's about trust. I trust her to get my wallet, get only the money that she needs. Sometimes you add a 2,000 sometimes. But it's not too bad. It's because with time, you get to know, ah, it's okay, I can trust her with this. I can trust him with this. So God gave Adam the responsibility on trust. Adam had no track record of ever having cultivated a, a, a garden before. He didn't. And it's, it's, it's hard when you have to, to give somebody that kind of trust. But you say, I'll take the risk. Adam, here's the garden. I want you to work it and cultivate it. Okay? And God would actually withdraw from that garden. Remember, it was God who planted the garden. He could have continued working that garden. He could have continued tending that garden. But he puts Adam in there. Later on, Eve comes in. And it looks like God left. You do the work. I have confidence in you to do what I've trusted you to do. Hello? Sometimes we mess up, but we've got to learn to deploy people. We've got to learn to deploy trust in, for, for responsibilities to be taken. God knows your track record. And yet he trusts you to share the gospel with those who do not yet know him. It's a risk. When all you have are 12, well, 11 at that point, and you are saying, we're going to conquer the world, guys, and you are the only ones. No plan B. Question is, just how trustworthy are you with the responsibilities that the Lord has given you? As the husband. There's a brother we entrust with a lot of money 
for the fence to come up. He requests for the money. He goes, gets the material, oversees the work, gives back the report on trust. Of course, the auditors will come later on. But it's being done on trust. And it's the money you give. How trustworthy are you with the responsibility God has given you? As a parent, that girl that you're raising up, how trustworthy are you? Because you're not just raising a girl for yourself. You're, you're raising a godly woman for tomorrow. Now here's the thing. Where there is suspicion or when trust is broken, getting things done, if at all you get anything done, is expensive and it takes more time. In this case, Adam hid because that trust was broken. When you look at verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord called to Adam and said, where are you? It seems to me that this was a regular practice. They would meet, they would talk, but on this day, where are you? Oh, we are naked. How, who told you you were naked? Trust was broken and there were consequences already showing up. When trust is broken, usually there's suspicion, there's secrecy, and things don't get done in time. And also, I've noticed that trust is, <laughs> trust is expensive, people. It's expensive. You know the reason they tell you to get three quotes before they even consider your application. You know why that? There's no trust. They say, go to this shop, get one quote. Go to this supplier, get another quote. Get one. But because of lack of trust, we even go to the suppliers and say, I got this quote, so you need to beat this one. And you know what I mean. It's because of lack of trust. It's lack of trust. Accountability is different. Let's move on. So the first step is trust. If you do not trust anybody, you cannot move on to the second step. Responsibility does not negate the presence of conflict. Hello? In fact, conflict is healthy. Some conflict is healthy, some conflict is not healthy. Either way, conflict should be expected. Even with the people you trust, conflict should be expected. But we also have to, to distinguish between uh, artificial conflict and raw conflict. We shouldn't have an artificial uh, atmosphere where we are denying the problems that we have. If there's a problem, it should be addressed. Amen? Hiding it under the carpet doesn't help because it is still there. And usually it bubbles up and it explodes. And things don't go well. Then there's the other end of the spectrum where conflict is nasty, it is ugly. I saw a clip the other time of members of parliament fighting in the August house. Did you see that one? Search for it online, it's there. Members of parliament fighting, you will find it. In several countries, that's ugly conflict. That's, that's very ugly. But 
not not to go the people that we trust with we will conflict we will have a differences of opinion we will, we will think no it needs to be done this way and not that way and so on and it's healthy for us to bring up those differences so that they are addressed okay somebody um called me the other day and said pastor right there outside pastor i need to sit i need to talk with you this is one of those that you hear and you go oh oh and she said you know when you were preaching and she pointed out several things in the message as i was preaching she said these things you need to work on this week now if i if i wanted to not address those things i could have said something to her that would have made her think ah this guy there's no point talking with him and the things they pointed out were right and i've had to be careful about how i do certain things when i'm preaching we should expect those things okay i could have said you know what if you don't think your needs are being met here there are so many other churches feel free to be blessed there that's when you don't want to handle conflict there are different side um sources of conflict i want you to see in this in this passage chapter 3 verse 1 now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field the, the serpent brought conflict into the garden of eden this was external conflict okay his motives are not good the motives of the enemy of our souls are not good at all john chapter 10 verse 10 but then you look at verse 6 and the bible tells us that so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food she gave some of it to her husband after she ate we begin to see internal conflicts and internal conflicts are usually hard to deal with because they represent a conflict of the values that we hold dear here god was very clear you will not eat of this fruit because when you do this is going to happen and they had to they were in conflict say okay so god said this and this serpent says this i'm sure the serpent looked all good because deception by nature does not look ugly deception by nature looks inviting but but there was that conflict to say god gave us this and this is a value we hold so dear but this is what the the the, the serpent is saying so i want you to know that conflict is something that we need to deal with in a healthy way we could have gone on and on but let's move on to the third point about responsibility is that responsibility thrives on commitment most of the times when we say ah the people are not committed or oh, the people are not committed is first of all you have to look at the trust issues secondly you have to look at how responsive are they to conflict how are they positioned to deal with the conflicts that you have so that you move forward amen commitment comes after clarity is reached when something is clear then it is easy for you to get committed to it god was very clear on what needed to be done in chapter 2 verse 15 and 17 we saw that last week however in chapter 3 verse 2 and 3 we are told that when 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 the serpent came and said you shall not eat of every 
you shall not eat of every tree in the garden, as in the, the question he asked. Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God mention anything about touching it? No. In verse 15, verse 16 rather, the Bible says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's in chapter 2. But here is Eve, later on in chapter 3, she's saying you shall not even touch it. So what's happening? Clarity was problematic. I don't know where this lack of clarity came from. Maybe Adam did not tell her, teach her properly. I don't know. Because this, this commandment was given when she was not on the scene. So obviously Adam had to teach her about, about this commandment. But I don't know whether, whether Adam didn't do a good job or it was because she started listening to the enemy. I want to give you a side note. Eve should not have had that discussion with the serpent. At all. The moment you start discussing with the enemy, you are a victim. You don't negotiate with the enemy. You see, all the enemy needs to do is to sow seeds of doubt. And your clarity is at stake. Clarity about what God requires from you is at stake. You give the enemy an inch, he will take the whole mile. He'll be like the proverbial Arabian camel, which during a sandstorm um, just asked for the head to be inside the tent of his master. Before long, the master was outside and the camel was inside the tent. That's what the, the devil does. He says, did God say? Did you see that? He doesn't disagree outright. He just says, did God say you shall not eat? Did God say really marriage is between man and woman? Did God say that gay, you know those things. They are speaking to us. Did God say, you know the situation here. Didn't God say, he, he's smart. He may be evil but he's smart too. Don't give him the light of day. Many times when it comes to commitment we may not have consensus but you understand what needs to be done. You just need to, you need to understand, okay, this is what needed to be done. Adam, who was with Eve at that time, according to verse 9, which makes it very clear, needed to step in and protect her. Because the Bible says they were together. They were together. From, from now on, please, 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 erase that image that it was just the serpent and Eve. Adam was there. But he allowed her to speak to the serpent. Okay, maybe that's not bad. Okay, you speak to people. People have got different motivations. You may never know. But when somebody begins to question the word of God, you have to say, my wife, this is not a discussion we're having. Because you allow the enemy to sow seeds of doubt. And once you give him that opportunity. He has it. Just needs to come back later and another time 
and another time, and another time. And before you know it, you're fallen from the grace of God. Question I have is, why didn't Adam stand up for the truth? Why didn't he say, no, this, that's not what God said. You're distorting the truth. Leave us. Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee. Okay, Adam never had that verse, but he knew what God required. Hallelujah. He knew what was required from the Lord God. Was it because he did not want to risk conflict with his wife? Something we do. I just want peace. So, panganizme mufunas. We should not run away from conflict. We should face it and resolve it in a healthy way. Because when the conflict is resolved, our commitment to each other, our commitment to the things of God is clear. Conflict helps us to have clarity. Commitment gives clarity. And when the clarity is given, well, we are ready for the next step, number four. Responsibility requires being accountable and being held accountable. It requires holding and being held accountable. Amen? You need to be held accountable. The responsibilities that I have, I, I need to be held accountable. When some things don't happen in this place, I am accountable. I am asked questions. Yes. And I shouldn't be saying, well, I, I should look at the issue and address it in the best way possible. You were supposed to feed the dogs. Why didn't you? And one thing I've learned is that there is always a story for whatever happens in our lives. A success or a failure. There is always a story behind it. Seek to understand the story. And you'll be well on your way to being held accountable. Being held accountable or holding others accountable can be, can be generally tough because we are not comfortable pointing out other people's unproductive behaviors or characters. We are not comfortable having people point out our unproductive behaviors or characteristics. We are not. I remember one song that was sung they say that Nkanija kuzafumu de angoteramo. Because this story has involved those in power, we'll just let it go. That's that's the kind of people we are. And that is why most of the things, a lot of things are not resolved. We need to be humble. This calls for humility of heart. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 tells us that we should humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and in due time he will lift, lift us up. I would rather humble myself than have God humble me. I learned from Nebuchadnezzar. Because when God realized this man was proud, it was seven years of living like a cow before he was reinstated in the throne. So just be humble. When someone comes and is pointing out something that you need to work on. Just be humble and begin to face that issue. Amen? Just be humble and begin to face that issue. And as you do, you know the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. How many of you have ever worked with a blunt knife? 
a knife that is not sharp. You're, you're cooking everything. How easy was it? Many times we go and get that uh, knife sharpened. Um, that was the name. And we will sharpen it. Why? Because we, we want efficiency. We want when you cut this meat, it should obey. You are going to be eaten, so don't give me problems. Just obey and be cut. Because you are using a sharp knife, things are easier. But if we choose not to humble ourselves and allow the words of our, our friends or those who love us to even cut us, because some words even from friends can cut, you know that. Eh? A friend, they'll, say, they'll tell you something and it cuts to the heart and you actually know this is true, but it hurts. I'd rather be kissed by a friend than an enemy. Amen. When Judas kissed Jesus, it looked okay, but it wasn't. But then, why was it painful? Because Judas was one of theirs. And even David, David writes in the psalm, says, had it been that the enemy was an outsider, I would have dealt with that. You know, if someone is walking around and he just says, As and he's pointing to me, and that person I don't know, I can, I can handle that. It'll be like water off a duck's back, just gone. But if perchance light on says the same statement, I will say, Light on even you. Why? God called out Adam in the areas where he was responsible for. Verse 9, and when God says that, where are you? And Adam says, I heard your voice, so I hid, and so on. And God says, and he's stretched to the point, you know. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Who told you you were naked? God was very direct. This is the issue we need to deal with. Okay. Verse 11. He confronts him and tells him that he had disobeyed. Have you eaten what I told you not to eat? Verse 17. God tells him, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat. God was not saying that Adam should not be listening to Eve. But in this particular instance, Adam needed to stand up and correct things. I don't know what the story would have been like if only Eve had eaten. That's another. We don't know what happened, so we'll not go there. But Adam was responsible to make sure that the right things were done. And God holds him accountable for it. Amen? There are some people who come and say, Past. The music was too loud today. They will tell me. And I'll just, I will not say, you know what, even if I had a good time with loud music or not, I have to take that into consideration and have to talk to the people responsible and I say, what happened today? This and this and this, we'll need this work on. It's not that I don't love my brothers who are in the sound control, sound engineering. No, 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 no. But we need to, to, to have feedback and improve as much as we can. Amen. I want you to notice that the Lord held Adam and Eve accountable and not the serpent. You know why? Because he did not have an agreement with the serpent. He did not give the serpent the responsibility of deceiving Adam and Eve. 
he gave Adam and Eve the responsibility of taking care of the garden and being of a particular character. So responsibility, accountability always flourishes in an environment where there is trust, in an environment where conflict resolution is healthy, in an environment where there's commitment, there's, there's clarity. You know what is going, going on. And so you can hold each other accountable. Adam's response was very classic. People do this all the time. It was that of blame instead of brokenness. He did not confess his sin. Psalm 32 gives us an example of what it is to be brokenhearted before the Lord when you're confronted with sin. Adam blamed. And as human beings, we blame a lot. Right now, they are still trying to find who to blame for the pandemic. Everyone is descending on China. We need to know. We, need to know. we think you're responsible. And resources are going into there and, and, and so on. I'm not saying it, that shouldn't be known. But I'm just saying, when you look at the focus, it takes you away from going after the problem. A lot of resources are wasted on the blame game. We waste time on the blame game. Because all we are looking for is, after we find out who is to blame, we want them to take responsibility. The funny thing is, most of the times we want to blame others, but when it is us who are responsible, we don't want to take the blame. Look into yourself. I've discovered in marriage, I've discovered this, that it is very futile to want to change your spouse. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. I have tried, trust me, I have, I have tried. It doesn't work. What I've discovered is that I need to work on me. I might point out and say, my friend, I think here and here and here, and that is her responsibility to work on. And I'll pray. And I'll pray for her and I'll say, Ambuye Chonde, in this area, could you look into it? But I can't change her. I can change me. I can allow the Lord to change me, to tell me what to work on. So blame doesn't help. And then finally, responsibility requires results. Responsibility requires results. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he was expecting results. He was expecting a garden that was well tended, a garden that was worked, a garden that looked good. This is not Guinja. This is not an area where there is nobody. There is somebody. There is a garden. People are in this place and things are happening. Because in the bigger scheme of things, remember, God has got Genesis 1 verse 26 onwards to 31 to happen. Domineering the earth. Amen? So there are results that are expected. So only after the first four steps... Can we expect results from each other? You cannot expect results from somebody you don't trust. You cannot expect results from somebody whom you cannot deal with in terms of conflict. You cannot re expect results from someone who is not committed to you. Someone who doesn't want to be held accountable for, to, to you or to anybody. You cannot expect good results from, from people like those. Those who hold us accountable are best, do so based on the results that they expect. All right? And we, we do well to keep in mind that whatever responsibility you have been given exists in the bigger scheme of things. 
So, for instance, my responsibility as a pastor, one of the responsibilities as a pastor is to pray for the people God has put under our care. Okay? Because one day, we will answer before the Lord. The, the people I gave you responsibility over, did you pray for them? Did you teach them the truth? Did you build them up? Did you protect them from wrong teaching? These are the things we have to answer before the Lord. That's the bigger picture. Amen? So what responsibility God has given you, he's looking for the results. Work towards those results. Hallelujah. In conclusion, we are saying here that responsibility without accountability is disastrous. The Lord God will hold us accountable even for the very words we speak. Did you know that? Or do you remember that? Even the words we speak, the mission that he gave us to go out and make disciples of all nations and teach them everything that he, he, he taught the disciples, which goes down from generation to generation, that is our responsibility, preaching the gospel. He will hold us accountable. And we better have a better response than blame. Or it was the woman you gave me. And yet, a few chapters ago, you were saying, ah, now this is bone of my bones. Now you are saying, it's the woman you gave me. May that not be our response. Next week, we shall look at one case study, which will show us the response to responsibility which the Lord is pleased with. The other day in Faith Clinic, I, did, I, I, I taught that God only responds to faith. Remember that? For those of you who are God only responds to faith. And, it's, and we're going to look at how we need to respond in faith to the Lord. Because when we do, it's when God works in our lives. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. For reminding us that we need to be held accountable for the things you have made us responsible over. I pray, O oh God, that as we continue to look in this, you will work in our lives. We will need to change where change needs to be done in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.